0: And as you're turning to Exodus 18, 1 through 12, uh, let's pray. That way it makes it easier to find it. Um, Father, we thank you for this time in the Word. We thank you for uh, the church. We thank you that you and your great wisdom have seen it fit to put us together, to study, to grow, to learn from each other, to learn from, uh, more importantly, your Word, and What you are doing in us, transforming us, not just individually, but as a body. And that it redounds to your glory, and that people who are outside may see the excellencies of Christ expressed through us as we are transformed from one glory to another. God, that's the goal, is to make your name known, and we pray that we do that well. Help us to do that by means of the study of your word this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We are in Exodus 18, 1 through 12. Um, I'm gonna go and read it and then we'll talk about it. Well, first, what had just happened? We gotta we've gotta rehash Two weeks ago we talked about something. What was it?
1: Striking the water. Striking the rock and water came out.
0: Okay, and then and then what happened? After that? you can help. Jesus was the rock? Yes, that's the then there was something else that happened after that. They got attacked. They got attacked by whom? Amalekites. The Amalekites. Remember the, he sat on the rock, held up the rod. Yeah, that's and the, right. Okay, that, so both of those events happened where? At, um, Remember the name of the place? Horeb. Horeb. What is Horeb another name for? It
1: was the mountain.
0: Was Sinai. Sinai, the mountain of God, right? Okay, good. All right, so how they left there? Yet. Have we seen? We We don't know. We don't know yet. As far as we know, they're still there based on chapter 17. Okay. Chapter 18. Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father in law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Now, Jethro, Moses' father in law, had taken Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her home along with her two sons. The name of the one was Gershom, for he said, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. And the name of the other was Eleazar, for he said, the God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness where he was encamped at the mountain of God. And when he sent word to Moses, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons with her. Moses went out to meet his father in law and bowed down and kissed him. And they asked each other of their welfare and went into the tent. Then Moses told his father in law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, and the, all the hardship that had come upon them in the way, and how the Lord had delivered them. And Jethro rejoiced for all the good that the Lord had done to Israel, and that he had delivered them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh and has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods, because in this affair they dealt arrogantly with the people. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and sacrifices to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. Question one. Who is Jethro? Moses,
1: is, Moses is father-in-law.
0: And, and how do you know this?
1: Like how many times?
0: <laughs> Why do you think he feels the need to repeat that and to, and to bring that out? When's the last time we heard of old Jethro. Before the, went out of Egypt, okay, before Moses, came, before, Moses. before Moses came to Egypt, yeah, it was when he was still in the wilderness of Midian, and, uh, and the last we heard was, was he's leaving, and then he sends Zipporah back to Jethro, chapter 4, um, 18, who, who is he, other than Moses' father, in Okay. okay, what else? And how do we know he's a shepherd first? How do we know that?
1: Well, that's what Moses did. He kept Jethro's flocks out in the wilderness.
0: Okay. And of what nationality or or ethnicity is is Jethro? He's a Midianite. He's a Midianite. And what is his position in Midian? He's a priest. He's a priest. Sounds very religious. Do you see a difference between this section, a neighboring people, a leader of a neighboring people dealing with Israel, and the previous section of a neighboring people dealing with Israel. Do you see a contrast there? What would be the contrast? The
1: previous one was attacked. Right. And this one accepted.
0: Okay. It's very interesting, this drawing of distinction between Jethro, which you would expect since he is his father-in-law, but there's more here than just their relationship as, as uh, with Zipporah. Warning. Um, it starts out with in verse one that he had heard that all the Lord had done. How would he have heard that? He's a Midian. They were in Egypt. It's not that close.
1: Wasn't there some verse um, that said that that uh, sorry that what God had done in uh, Egypt had spread all over? Like there was people the fear of God was in all the people around because yes. they heard what he had done with the place in Egypt.
0: As they were, as they were going into um, the wilderness, you kind of had that feel. How would they have learned? Carry pigeons. Carrier pigeons are helpful, um, but probably not applicable here. An owl. An owl. <laughs> did you get my owl? An um, owl can swallow. An owl. <laughs> did, did, what? 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 Uh, what, what, are, what are some ways that we know in this time period messages traveled? news got around. Good morning, welcome. Um, I, w- what about this time period? Do, what, what, what do we know? He's a shepherd. What do you do with your flocks? Migrate them. You migrate them to do what? Feed them, feed them is good. Look, for water. Look, Okay, feed and water them to keep them alive. But you're wanting to do something with them. Sell them. And how do you sell them? Go meet with other people. Go meet with other people. Caravans, trading caravans come by. I'm I'm wanting a new line of sheep or goats, and this is, you know, buy your mail. You can take two of my does and whatever. And so you have this thing going on. And in the process of marketing, in the process of uh, commerce, news passes. Yeah, I was just down in Egypt the other day. We're getting out of there. We haven't found any drinking water over near there because it's all blood. That kind of stuff happens, you know. They, um, what, does that have some significance in this class for some reason? But something happened? No?
1: can't
0: tell us. I can't tell you anything. I, I've seen pictures. Um, and they're very interesting. Genius, I tell you. Um, okay, what else? What else do we know? Uh, what's another way that he may have gotten some news? What are Moses' sons named? Gershom and What does that mean? Does the text tell us? Yes. Very good. You get an A. Uh, what does what that? What does that mean? Those two names. And do they convey news? Their names mean Okay. And God is my help. So, he's still alive. He's a sojourner in a foreign land. God is helping me. God is my help. There's, that's the last Jethro got from Moses was the, was the sons. And so, uh, you have this, the caravans. Somehow or another, he's heard about all of this. Notice the names of the sons and their meetings, and particularly this reference to the sword of Pharaoh in verse 4. Uh, pharaohs, at that time... Were often given the title "Lord of the Sword," referencing their military prowess, and so this is a a, a reference to uh, what God has conquered in Egypt. He's conquered the Lord of the Sword, specifically Ramses II, who many believe that uh, was the Pharaoh at the time of the Exodus, uh, took on that title, and and it's a reference to what God has delivered. Uh, Israel out of. All right, wh- where does the text say Jethro brought the family to meet Moses? Talked about a little bit before. Where does it say? Does it say Horeb? The mountain of God. The mountain of God. What would that be? Horeb or, Horeb or Sinai. Now, is this significant that Moses is back at this place? Because he was here before, right? When was he here before? Striking the rock and the burning bush. The burning bush. Burning bush goes to Egypt, comes back, strikes the rock, battle with Amalek, and now he's here with Jethro. Is it significant that he's back here? Why is that significant? Do you remember? At the burning bush, a promise was made. Turn to chapter
1: 3.
0: <clears throat> Before Moses leaves, he's still talking about his speech impediment. A, a difficulty speaking. He stuttered. Um, or that's what he claimed, anyway. Uh, verse 11, Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, verse 12, But I will be with you and this shall be the sign, the sign for you that I have sent you. When I, when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Kind of a significant thing for Moses to be back there, isn't it? That was to be a sign of God's presence with him. Um, Three things happen here post-Exodus. The water from the rock, the victory over Amalek, and what's, what else is going to happen here? There's Jethro, but ten, ten, commandments. ten Commandments are given here. Very significant place in the Old Testament. Alright, look at verse 6.
1: Chapter
0: three. Uh, I'm sorry, go back to chapter 18. Look at verse 6. And when he sent word to Moses, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons with her, comma. What it literally says there, and he said to Moses, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you. You can see why the translators will have, have to tweak that a little bit, right? And he said to Moses, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you. What's wrong with that statement? Hey, I'm coming to you. I'm going to see you. What's wrong with that statement? Okay. I'm there when I'm saying it. Wouldn't it be better to say, hi? <laughs> Who's saying this? The messenger. And that's why you see this in the translation. And he sent word. But in the Hebrew, there's no distinction between the one delivering the message and the principal, the the master, who sends them. He says it in the first person. What significance does that have? Well, not really much in this story, but notice the overarching type. A messenger is the voice of the master, when you rebel against Moses, you're really rebelling against God, right? That We've seen that before. This is the idea conveyed here as well. It's that type of an agent and a principal. When the agent speaks, he's speaking as if he were the principal there. And that's what the language dictates in the original language. And translators have had to kind of tweak that so that we get that, because we don't really get that. I mean, if I send a message, well, if I... Take the chance to send one of my kids to send a message. Um, it's usually dad says this. You know, dad said to go to, that we need to go do this. They didn't do that. I am coming to you. That's that's the way the 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 authority with which with which the messenger speaks is based upon what the master said. He speaks as if he were there. Um, okay, he's a mere instrument delivering exactly what was said by the master. Look in verse seven. <clears throat> This is weird to me. The first thing that they say to each other in verse 7 what is it? Why would he do that? This is a guy who parted the Red Sea, right? His staff, he's there. Why would. <laughs> why, why, so it's just a respectful thing to your father in law. Jethro, he bows down to him, kisses him in a, in a, in a humble, um, I don't know how you say this, a respectful way, and then they proceed to do these civilities. What do they talk about? Hi. How you been? Someone who has a higher station is inquired of their well-being. Moses does the pleasantries with him. Tell me about your welfare. Tell me about how you have been. How are the the flocks doing? Does that seem odd to you? I mean, I would think if I hadn't seen a guy for, you know, 14 chapters, that, that I would want to, you're not going to believe what just happened. I would want to convey all of that. Listen to me, right? He didn't do that. It's a different understanding of station in life and respecting those who are older and, um, um, I don't know, in a, in a, in a higher place than, than he is. He tra- he travels to meet Jethro on the way. Why doesn't he just stay there and have Jethro bring him on in? He goes out to him. It's a sign of respect. Um, he bows before him and kisses him. And he it's... This act of humility. Um, And then in verse 8, they finally get to it. Notice what he does. Then Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake. All the hardship that had come upon them in the way and how the Lord had delivered them. Who does Moses exalt here? I held this staff, and I hit that water. Boy, you should have seen it. Those frogs exploded when you stepped on them. You wouldn't believe it. He didn't do all that. He talks about what God has done. The power of God's working on behalf of Israel. Um, it would be tempting, I think to exalt one's self in front of one's father-in-law when the last uh, episode that you had had with your father-in-law was sent back your wife and kids because you didn't think you could keep them safe? Wouldn't that be the tempting thing to do? Yeah, I could have kept him. I just felt, felt like it would be better for them to be back with you. we got a lot of stuff to do, you know. He didn't do that. He exalts God. I was very nervous about being in Egypt. Pharaoh has this twitch, and I saw it quite often. Um, he exalts God. There's a reason that he is called the meekest man on the earth. And I think we see uh, an example of that here, and how he, he uh, handles himself with Jethro. What is uh, what's Jethro's response here in verse 9? He rejoiced. he rejoiced. Anybody have another translation other than the ESV?
1: Yeah.
0: NIV. All right. what, what, what does the NIV say? He, he, do, he, was delighted he delighted. Anybody else have another translation in the NIV and the ESV? You're all conforming. I love it. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, the, the delighted, uh, rejoice, Those are good words. The um, the 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 root verb that this word rejoice, it's translated rejoiced or delighted, the root verb that that comes from means to shudder or tremble. I don't think you get that from delighted and rejoiced. And it has that connotation. There's an emotional response there somehow. But there's a shudder or tremble. Um, it's a very... He, he believes this account. And it causes him to fear, rightfully, the Lord. Right? Is that what we see later on in his response? What does he say in verse 10? Blessed be, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. What do we know that stands for? Is that just any God? It's the covenant name of God. A pagan Midianite priest blesses the covenant God by name of Israel. Of the Hebrews. Based on what he hears. Just what he hears. He's blessing God. By his covenant name. Not Elohim. Yahweh.
1: Isn't this what God said was going to happen? That he was doing this so that they would know that he is the Lord.
0: And what does verse 11 say? How does it start? That I know. Now I know. And that phrase is used uh, a bit in the Old Testament to show when a person is convinced of the truth of a matter, the truth of an event, now I know, is is an expression of of trust that what they're hearing is true. It reflects conviction. This is not necessarily conversion here. I tend to think it is, but it's not necessarily that. There's some evidence of that later on. And the second half of of verse 11 seems to confirm what we saw in 12.12, that Thus the Lord judged all the gods of Egypt. Remember that? We had that lesson. See how he says in in, in the second part of 11. what What is he referencing there? Because what? It's in the text. Second half of 11. Isn't it? Okay, what does it say? Because what? Who's the they? The Egyptians? Or the gods that he just referenced that God is greater than? Both. Someone likes the, the middle peaceful <laughs> route. Why create controversy when you don't have to? Um, I, I agree. I think it's both. But what is Pharaoh? He's the expression of the gods. right? And, and in this, Jethro mocks them. They acted haughtily, and Yahweh put them down, is what he's saying. Now I know. Um, And what is his response in action to this convinced truth that he's now embraced? What's his response? He He worships God by sacrificing a burnt offering and offering of acceptance to God. And then what does he do? Then what does he do? He sacrifices. They eat a meal. They eat a meal. Some scholars uh, believe that he cut a covenant with Israel here. He became in covenant relationship with the children of Israel at this meal. Either way, it's a fellowship meal. Um. In worship to Yahweh, they're they're sacrificing together. It's more than just this one burnt offering. They're sacrificing together, and they have um, a meal together. All right, do you remember the, the constant refrain, and, and Grant mentioned it um, earlier, the constant refrain during uh, the plagues? You know, Moses first goes up to Pharaoh and says, the Lord says, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, I don't know the Lord. Who's this Yahweh? Right? And so God says again, I'm going to do this to you. I'm going to you hear that you may know that I am the Lord and there is no other. Right? And, and, and that kept going on and on and on. They knew by the end, because Pharaoh even said, Now I know, or I know that this. But they didn't know it savingly, right? They knew judgment. They knew that something greater than them was groundswat. That same refrain goes on with Israel in the wilderness um, strike the rock, they'll know. Stri- you know the, strike the river, or strike the, the, the Red Sea, they'll know. The, uh, I'm going to rain down manna, they'll know that I'm the Lord. He's doing it with Israel, right? Egypt experiences God. Not comfortably, but they experience God. They even wrote a book, Experiencing God. They experience God. (laughs) Israel experiences God in the wilderness, His saving grace, His mercy, in spite of their complaining, murmuring, and rebellion. Still experience God. That they may know, right? But we know that they don't know. This is a generation that drops like flies in the wilderness after 40 years. They don't ever see the promised land because of their unbelief, their grumbling. They didn't know. We have a pagan who worships a, a panoply of gods in Midian, who hears what God has done. The mere retelling of it, of what God has done, now I know. He's convinced of it. What does that tell you?
1: It's working.
0: Okay. (coughs) Experience all this stuff. I dropped like a fly in the wilderness. That wasn't, that didn't get it done. The mere telling of it, something happens. Faith. (coughs) Okay? Holy Spirit's got to be in it, and it leads to trust, to faith. We come here every Sunday, except where we're not here every Sunday. Um, we 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 do the stuff together. We meet together. Talk about the Bible, Lord, what He's doing in us. We have a lot of language that goes on. We we see things happen sometimes. Um lot of experience in church. Let that be a warning to you. Let that be a warning to me. That just because we may talk the lingo, there's something that has to happen, and it has to lead to fruit. And it has to be consistent fruit. It, it, don't be comfortable. Um there are a lot of warning passages in in scripture, and they and they scare me, quite frankly. Which they're supposed to do. They're warnings, right? Hebrews six four through six says this: For it is impossible. That's a big word. In the case of those who have once been enlightened. I, I, we don't have time to go into all the textual issues there and um, how it relates to all of Hebrews. But just those three verses alone should shake us, should cause us to tremble and shudder. And yet to also rejoice in the goodness of God. You can do all this stuff. We can be in the experience of church life and, and drop We've got to trust in Jesus alone. Nothing before him. And that's what you see happen with, obviously with Egypt. And that's what you see happen with this generation in Israel. They trust in something other than God. He wasn't greater than all the gods because they're still making them up as they go. It's an amazing thing to me to see our capacity to grow sluggish. In our walks with Christ, it's it's the prone to wander, Lord, I feel it refrain that I hear again and again. And come, Thou found, it's there, and it's there for all of us. We see the goodness of God displayed in our local churches. The Word is preached, the Spirit works in us, but we grow discontent. There's got to be more. There's got to be something else that I have to experience more. I have to. It's 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 um, it's idolatry. It's covetousness. Something other than Christ. And it's so tempting. I thank God that warnings have their effects. And, and Paul uses this generation of Israel that we're reading about now as a warning to us. Don't be like them. Don't grow sluggish and discontent and, and, and rebellious in your heart that you would go after relationships over what you know God has revealed to be true. That you go after a work environment uh, that you know, for the money or whatever, prestige, whatever it is, over what God has ordained and called us to be—they're all gods, and they all nip at your heels. Remember that He is greater than them all. This, this kind of warnings—they—they they, they cause me to to tremble. Um, but but I but I rejoice, and I'm thankful for the goodness of Christ, and and, and that I get to share that with you guys. Um. because though you haven't seen him, you love him, right? Okay. Any questions? I went on a monologue. It happens. I've been pent up, you know, two weeks I have seen you guys, so there it is. <laughs> what, what, uh, any, any comments on this? Any questions? We've got a few minutes. Glad you guys are here. How was the training? Was it good? I saw something about, you know, fire and stuff. Do something else? Maybe the not. Last yeah, yeah. Oh. These, uh, last week and this coming week, we've been doing our uh, our diving. scuba diving. So yeah. this, we yeah. come up we're doing underwater uh, search kind of so, and recovery. So so scuba diving. That was... scuba that's diving is, that's uh, for not exactly yes. hard work, is it? I mean, that's no. kind of fun. Don't you get to go into some reefs and stuff and do no, some? No, no. no, <laughs>
1: well, the Texas. last couple of days, we've been learning how to navigate with just like zero visibility. Yeah.
0: And you have to trust what.
1: Yourself, yourself. And, and what yourself
0: your training is, has been, things get fuzzy. You don't know where you're going. You don't know where you're going. You, you just got. How do you know where you're going? You well, you don't think you know where you're going, but follow your are and you usually end up where you're supposed to be. So the experience doesn't reveal everything to you. You have to trust what you know, right? Yeah. yeah. So we did do fire. See how I did that right <laughs> around. <once again>? <laughs> <laughs> we did fire
1: like two, <laughs> three weeks ago.
0: Same kind of deal. No, colder, warmer. Water gets warm. Glad you guys are here. What? What else? Uh, um, any? Any other thoughts on what we? On what we discussed this morning? We have. We have ten minutes. That's okay. Yeah.
1: I think it's interesting how um, Israel, like you, you, you said, Israel is not the only ones that are being saved here. It's Jethro and. Uh, Moses' wife, yeah. who was not of uh, Israel blood. And so its it has always been God's plan from the beginning to save the world, mm-hmm. to be good for the world.
0: Right. And, and we saw that with Abraham. We saw that with Abraham. Yeah. And here's just another example. Another example. of it. Very good. Yeah. good. Good. All right. <clears throat> okay, shall we? Anyone else? You're all very quiet. That's okay. I can make up the difference. Yes, sir.
1: Question. Why does why is uh, is Jethro the phrase Jethro Moses' father in law, Mm -hmm. why is that in here so much?
0: I I think since Moses is writing it, there may be a twinge of guilt that he hasn't really referenced this but I don't know. I'm just kidding. I I, he hadn't mentioned it since chapter four. So he wants to bring out the relationship again and again and again, who this man is. Because he's about to instruct Moses on some leadership issues. Next week we'll see that. He's got to have credibility, who he is, his, you know, why Moses trusts his advice. Um, I, I don't know. It doesn't tell us. It doesn't tell us other than, than he just brings it out again and again and again. As, this is the identifier of who Jethro is. Um, you're texting answers to each other.
1: Right?
0: <laughs> no cheating. Uh, all right. Any, anything else? Good to see you guys. Glad to be back. Um, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the warnings that you give us because you love us and that you want to see us grow and not get sluggish. God, I pray that um, we... We do what the body of Christ does with each other. That we're not saved individually, but we're saved into a body. And that's a means, a method of you imparting grace to us. Grace of accountability, grace of encouragement. Lord, I pray that when we see each other getting sluggish, that we would be bold enough and love each other enough to call each other to repentance, to call each other to press forward in Christ, to leave lesser things behind. And that when we have to do the hard work of calling each other to repentance, that it's done not out of um, our own sin of pride, but that it's done in love, that it's done with a heart of restoration. God, be with this group. Be with these young adults who are um, captivated by the glory of your grace, grow in them a zeal for knowing you, not just intellectually, but that it captivates their heart. And so from the heart, they rejoice in the fear of the Lord. That they rejoice and are... um, given wisdom and discernment for the days ahead. They don't look to the right or the left. They don't get distracted with insecurities and the, and the cling to um, the, the things that, that may make us feel important, but that they know that their identity is in Jesus as part of His bride. And that's all that matters. And as we seek to work and live as unto you, that we would be content at peace with you and with those around us. God, cause us to be proclaimers of the goodness and glory of your name to those who don't know you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.